0: Welcome to Naturally Nourished, a food is medicine podcast that delivers cutting-edge information and solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought out by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. And should not be used in place of any medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from a licensed health professional. Now, welcome your host, Allie Miller, integrative dietitian and owner of Naturally Nourished, and her vice president, integrative dietitian Carly Vogler.
1: Welcome to episode 11 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about ways to support and boost your immune system. How are you doing, Carly?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: Good, good. I was thinking that, you know, today we're what, December 4th? Holy cow. Um, We wanted to give you guys, all you listeners, some tips and tricks to keep your immune system intact. We know that cold and flu season is on the rise, and this is really when things start ramping up. So, we want to give you some natural alternatives and ways to work with your system versus against it. As much as we can, we want to avoid unnecessary antibiotics, which can break down our immune system and definitely work against our gut. But uh, I think we'll get into all of that shortly.
2: Yeah, I think some people are kind of trailing in the office already getting sick and asking us, what do I take? What do I do? So this should be good and hopefully something we could use from year to year as a resource for people to turn to. But Ali, first, let's tell listeners about the immune system, what it is, and how it functions in our body.
1: Sure. So I like to use the phrase that the immune system is really the body's surveillance system. So it's going to be unique to the individual and its job is to detect things. It's also, beyond the surveillance system, a defense system that should help to upregulate the natural defenders in the body when it does detect an invader. So invaders can be pathogens. Pathogens can come from bacteria, parasite, or viruses. And then there can also be invaders from carcinogenic compounds, which can lead to tissue abnormalities and literally leading to then cancer formation in the body or tumorigenic cells. And so a healthy immune system is supposed to identify those and then drive those cells to apoptosis or cellular suicide to help to just keep the healthy cells intact.
2: Okay, I know there's a bunch of different, you know, thinking back to the chemistry days, a bunch yes. of different <laughs> types of cells and some key players within the immune system. So let's talk about some of those.
1: Yes. So like I said, its job is to upregulate these cellular players to fight off these pathogens or foreign compounds and then regulate the inflammatory processes. So there's going to be chemical mediators or chemical players and then inflammatory players. We're looking at things like our natural killer cells. Our white blood cells play a huge role in the immune system. So that's going to be things like our uh, lymphocytes. Uh, looking at macrophage capability, which is the ability of white blood cells to actually eat at bacteria and kind of encapsulate them. And then um, our T cells and our T helper cells, which which we'll get into. So it's easiest to really break the immune system down into the innate response and the adaptive response. So the innate response is that uh, that does not require exposure to the bacteria or the virus or the pathogen in order to function. So innate uh, immune system function starts with mechanical, chemical, and biological elements. So Our mechanical is going to be surface barriers so skin is your number one immune defense you know of course our skin protects our exposure to our internal cells to our organs to our blood flow and that's gonna help us to you know we can wash our hands uh, hopefully with a natural soap versus an antibacterial soap we've actually seen in research that adding antibacterial agents can create more and more I'm sorry bacterial resistance so Washing your hands rigorously with more activity um, and using a bar soap will actually help to wash away that bacteria so your skin is protecting it from entering the body, essentially. We also have barriers that would be mechanical, including things like our mucosal lining, phlegm, Coughing and sneezing is a way to expectorate or or release these um, invaders from our body. And then there's chemical players. So chemical players, even starting with like our saliva. Our saliva has natural antibacterial elements to it. And then further in our digestive tract, our hydrochloric acid in our stomach helps to prevent things like H. pylori. And then even uh, vaginal pH is different to prevent things like yeast infection. So those would be chemical players. And then finally would be biological players. And so biological players are the good bugs and the commensal or neutral bugs that are living inside of our system. So positive bacteria, probacteria flora, or positive yeast strains that help to defend against the bad bacteria getting into our cells and also help to keep in balance the bacteria that comes into our system. If we have a good army set up of bacteria agents, there's going to be this competitive inhibition and they're going to fight off the bad.
2: So basically innate meaning, just to clarify for everyone, things that exist within the body that naturally protect us.
1: Right, right. And so again, you know, there's the mechanical, the chemical, and the biological. And I think when we're talking about probiotics, I I think it's always important. I mentioned the antibacterial soap, but antibiotics in general have a overall approach they're non specific so they target your positive bacteria your commensal or neutral bacteria and the bad bacteria and this is why many people following a round of antibiotics, get a yeast infection or something of the sort because it takes away all that good bacteria that was keeping that chemical agent in So keeping that pH regulated, keeping that good bacteria regulated, and that can actually create susceptibility to, towards more immune dysfunction or imbalance. So it's important to acknowledge after an antibiotic, you definitely want to follow with a good probiotic supplement, most definitely.
2: And I think we just posted something on Facebook a couple weeks ago, but a study came out saying that one dose or one round of antibiotics can affect your flora for at least up to a year. A year, yeah. It's absolutely wild. Which is frustrating, especially if you work so hard to build up your good flora and then you get a bacteria or something and and take an antibiotic and you're just kind of wiping up all all that progress that you made.
1: Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit more about the players of the immune system, but I think that's an exact process of using functional medicine, working with probiotics to boost your immune system, builds up your players versus wiping them down and then making you more susceptible for sure. So beyond those innate responders, we also have, and, and actually within this innate family, inflammation. Um, and so inflammation, we we often talk to or speak to as a negative thing. Oh, we want to reduce the inflammation in the body or we want an anti-inflammatory diet or you know, inflammation creates all these itis conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and what have you. And that's true. Inflammation, when left unchecked or unkiltered, can lead to chronic disease and chronic illness in the body. However, inflammation with the way the immune system functions is a way for the immune system to actually activate its defense mechanisms. So we're talking about things like uh, vasodilation or dilation of the vessels that's an inflammatory process so when you vasodilate that brings more of your chemical army your chemical mediators those things that can actually attack the foreign invaders into the targeted area of injury or targeted area of focus where the pathogenic compounds are, are, are regulated or, or basically found centralized Also, things like a fever is inflammation. So often when we have the flu or a cold or another virus, we're going to get a fever, and that's our immune system heating up, literally trying to kill off that viral or bacterial compound. So pending on the immune level of my patient, I always urge them to allow a fever, you know, anything under 102, um, don't want to go above that, then you would want to use an ice bath and maybe Tylenol, but really allowing a fever to run its course is going to help your body to actually kill off what it's trying to fight. So fever and warmth is another sign of inflammation. And then um, inflammation is also an essential component to tissue repair. So when it's regulated and then when the, the inflammation can reduce once that pathogen has been removed from the body, it works in a functional way. Now, if we're thinking of inflammation in the concept of food sensitivities and you're constantly exposing yourself to something like, let's say you have a gluten sensitivity, maybe not celiac, but gluten-induced inflammation or you know gluten-induced enteropathy, leaky gut, then you're chronically driving inflammation every time you have gluten and your body can't fight that gluten away if you keep indu- if you keep ingesting it. And so there's there's this check and balance. I think it's important for everyone to understand that inflammation when kept up regulated drives imbalance, but for short-term acute mode is a good thing for the immune system.
2: I think that's something good to point out because almost every day in practice we're saying, you know, inflammation is the silent killer and it's all negative talk about it, but you know, just pointing out like you were just talking about the redness, the fever, the vasodilation, it's nice to remember how the body is so resilient and how these things are really there to protect us. It's not the all evil.
1: And then knowing, you know, that when you throw in that concept of diet and sensitivity, that then if you're driving inflammation, that's why your body's out of check, right? Mm -hmm. So the other element that I want to touch on beyond the innate response of, of again, you know, the the barriers, the chemicals, the bacterial and uh, biological, the inflammation is then the actual chemical cellular players. So leukocytes, um, these are types of white blood cells that include your phagocytotic and whoa, a lot of big words, right? Um, Phagocytotic properties and. Is this taking you back, Carly? Yes, oh, I know. I kind doo-doo, of doo-doo-doo. geek out over it. I was like, I remember this chapter. <laughs> Get out your highlighter. Um, so phagocytosis or phagocytes, these are cells that I imagined always when I learned about them, like Pac-Man cells, like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh. Um, So they basically include classifications of macrophages, neutrophils, dendritic cells. Um, all of these white blood cells help to basically eat at, encapsulate, a pathogen, a virus, bad bacteria, a yeast, and then um, are able to excrete it or are able to literally create cellular suicide, as I mentioned, um, and upregulate the natural killer cells, which will target and then, and then kill themselves, essentially. Uh, so all of those are important elements of your innate system. The adaptive system of the immune system requires an antigen relationship. So the adaptive component is actually where the concept of vaccines were built off of, where you need exposure to a compound to teach the system to learn how to fight against it. And so this is really targeted on our T cells um, and our B cells. So our T cells are gonna go undergo that apoptosis or that cellular suicide when, when the infected cell is identified and the T helper cells help to drive the immune function and the detection process. The beta cells are going to come from our bone marrow, our stem cells, and these play a role with presenting the antigen to the cellular players. So they basically find the compound, present it, and then the immune system decides how to attack and destroy it, essentially. So all of these cells, you know, when we're thinking of them, Especially if you're dealing with a family member in cancer, you know how readily we're watching the white blood cell count and autoimmune disease and things like that because these play a very significant role in the body's ability to identify and, and fight off.
2: I love these visuals as you're talking, you know, I'm just imagining these cells talking to each other and, you know, one has the tool and the other has, you know, the, the concept behind it. And it's, it, that is how the body works. It's alive and, and it's, we have to give credit to all these things and not just rely so much on outside sources to help us um, and kind of just appreciate the, just the innate aspects of the immune system. So this is all fantastic information, but Allie, let's talk about what happens with the immune system when it's not functioning.
1: Sure. So, you know, when the immune system is not functioning, when it's maybe hyperreactive or something like that, that would be seen in autoimmune disease. When the immune system gets confused and instead of shining that flashlight or I mean, they don't have flashlights, but you just had me really in like a visual mode, (laughs) shining that awareness on a foreign invader It starts to attack its own gland. So something like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, the immune system starts to literally identify all thyroid cells as foreign invaders and starts to create inflammatory processes and attack that gland. Um, And so autoimmune disease is when the immune system drives inflammation, drives attack to itself, autoimmune. So you're fighting yourself uh, versus the foreign invader. So there's some kind of cross wires there in the immune system. Inflammatory disease in general can be seen when the immune system isn't functioning because the immune system isn't getting that check and balance. It continues to perpetuate the reaction of cytokines, prostaglandins, all these chemical mediators and doesn't get that, that resolution has occurred and it doesn't stop. So that would be you know inflammatory cascades, inflammatory diseases. And then the other leg of things is cancer and compromised immune function. When the immune system kind of checks out and it doesn't identify the abnormal growths. It doesn't identify the foreign invaders, and it allows them to go haywire through the body. Um, and and then the kind of third element is immunodeficiency. And so immunodeficiency can be genetic, where maybe, uh, you know, we work with a lot of children that have a low IgG count, um, or a high IgG count if they're having hypersensitivity, hives, rashes, eczema, um, psoriasis or um, uh, ARDS, acute respiratory syndrome. Uh, But they could also have a low IgG when they're immune compromised. Um, And then with AIDS and and HIV, there's going to be that immunodeficiency. And that's why, you know, very susceptibility and immune compromised in that population as well.
2: So, Ali, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, okay, I'm familiar with autoimmune disease. I see what you're saying, how the body can attack itself. And maybe this is a lofty question, but what kind of things drive these quote-unquote wires being crossed that can change our immune system from something that supports us to something that kind of is against us? So a huge player, which we talked
1: about last episode, I think, um, is this this HPA axis, which, as we mentioned last episode, episode 10, um, you know, it won't be our last mention no, of no, the no. HPA access, but um, that's a good one. If you missed that one, um, it, it's speaking to this concept of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal. And what that's really looking at is the fight or flight mechanisms in the body. And when we are overstressed, Uh, the immune system has dysfunction, either in over or under drive. So stress, uh, really briefly, we go into it much deeper in episode 10, but stress can be both mental and it can be uh, demand stress, negative stress, like getting fired, Having an argument with your spouse, divorce, uh, you know, uh, interpersonal relationships. It could be you stress. You um, stress is positive stress, like planning a wedding, um, planning one of your child's wedding, wedding again. I don't know <laughs> two weddings. <laughs> it's a long day. I think I'm I'm you stressed delightfully overwhelmed is my mantra. <laughs> um, and so you know, stress can be positive, planning for a wedding, a holiday, entertaining family or friends, um, but that can still upregulate this HPA access. And then stress can also be physiological, so that could be things like overgrowth of bad bacteria, parasite, that can be recovering from a car accident or or significant injury, aging processes, carrying a child, any increased demand on the body is also a stressor and that can throw this HPA access off. And so the HPA access has so many components. For instance, the adrenals with cortisol response and cortisol plays a big role with histamine response, which drives your mast cell activity in your immune system. There's just many overlaps. And so we often see stressed individuals will say, I go, 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 go but three to five times a year, I just crash and I need to shut down for like two or three days. And I feel like I get sick really easily. And that's a huge, you know, component of that HPA access being imbalanced. Okay. And I'm I think, oh, sorry,
2: go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, I'm trying to reel you in because I don't want to let you go off too much of the <laughs> HPA access. Why don't you finish the thought though?
1: So I was going to say connecting that with stress is, is the next point, which would be sleep. You know, so beyond being overstressed is not getting an adequate, you know, eight hours of sleep is really what research supports is needed. And so, you know, less than eight hours of sleep can also lead to immune compromised activity, which, I mean, really the HPA access could lead to autoimmune whatnot, but I'm going to kind of transition us into more weakening the immune system, like cold and flu, like like we said in the beginning, um, to keep it tailored. Um, so, you know, lack of sleep is going to create immune susceptibility. So we get kind of burned. Out, worn down. Uh, micronutrient deficiency, most definitely. So, some of the primary nutrients that play a role with immune function are zinc, vitamin C your B vitamins, uh, also your essential fatty acids, vitamin D is definitely in that family. Glutathione. Absolutely. And and then exposure. So, you know, we say flying on a plane, teachers that teach in a classroom with sick kiddos. If you're having chronic exposure, that's going to set you up to higher susceptibility and your immune system has to work on, on overdrive for sure. So those people really need to listen to what's coming when we tell them some tips and tricks to to help to support their system. If you know you're having less sleep, if you know you're stressed, if you know you might be susceptible to a deficiency um, with maybe a specialized diet or vegetarianism or something like that, or if you have more exposure, then we need to give you some tips to keep your immune system strong for sure.
2: That's perfect. That launches us right into the next question, which is before we get sick, Let's talk about prevention and what can we do? We know it's getting colder outside. It's not even, I'm not even going to give Houston the justification of calling today cold because it's not. But everywhere else I in the country, <laughs> it's getting cold. No. Um, so, how can people, with anticipating this change of seasons, protect themselves and really boost their immune system?
1: So, the first step, I kind of reference this in a couple different ways, would be probiotics. So we need to give your immune system good bacteria. And the good bacteria, I always say a cup of probiotics a day keeps the doctor away and and firmly believe in that. So bumping up your defense system by having things like kefir, Greek yogurt. um, And then it's important to acknowledge that if you are having any mucus, you probably want to avoid those dairy sources of probiotics. So those would be kefir, Greek yogurt, regular yogurt, uh, also raw aged cheeses. So if you have mucus, you'd want to go to two sources that are dairy free, things like kombucha, things like sauerkraut, kimchi, uh, pickled or fermented vegetables, beet kvass. All of these are going to be great. And I also recommend throughout the immune period to take a probiotic supplement. And so for someone that's, you know, immune compromised, they should be on a probiotic the whole haul. Or if we know they have dysbiosis or gut imbalance or have had gut imbalance in their past, we want them on a probiotic the long haul as well. And then also for someone who's, for instance, pregnant, you know, when you're going through pregnancy, your immune system is at higher demand, as we discussed. So you should also be taking a probiotic to help to support your immune system. We know often that in a pregnant woman, their uh, gums bleed more often, their immune system is lower because they're they're kind of in overdrive mode. So probiotics are the first one to consider. The second one is going to be a good multivitamin. So really big fans of getting a multivitamin that is plant-based, has antioxidant compounds, has B vitamins in their methylated form. So this is looking at like Methylcobalamin in the B12 instead of cyanocobalamin. And if it doesn't specify, it's not the right form. It's one of those things like if it's organic, they're going to, and they're spending the money to make it organic, they're going to put organic on the label. So methylated B vitamins, methylfolate and methylcobalamin. And then we also like to add in, especially, some more antioxidant support. I like a product called PhytoGanix. Um, PhytoGanics is a powder. It's an antioxidant blend that you can add to smoothies. It's an organic superfood blend. So that's a great thing to keep your immune system on track a couple times a week. And then if you do get sick, you can bump that up or ramp that up. So probiotics, a good multi, maybe an antioxidant um, superfood powder. And then another one for a food as medicine supporter is bone broth. So bone broth, I think we've preached to pretty well as well, but um, bone broth can work as an expectorant. It can actually thin out mucus and help to uh, break up mucus in the chest and help to release the bacterial agents that the mucus is trying to grab or encapsulate. It can also help with uh, hoarseness. It can help to be a gut lift, as we've discussed in the past. So it literally tightens the GI lining where all of those good immune players live, there's a, a phrase called GALT, um, and that's your gut-associated lymphatic tissue, and we know that the immune system, 80 plus percent of it is based on the GI tract, and it's not just because of the bacteria. It's because of the system that is actually present in the gut. So focusing on the bone broth, with which nourishes and tonifies the GI tract, really helps to support the immune system, giving us that glutamine and collagen which tightens the gut junction and really supports that galt tissue. Uh, And then also the bone broth has been shown in research to increase white blood cell reactivity. So it actually can bring up those chemical mediators or those players that help to drive the death of the invaders in, in our immune system that our immune system has identified or the white blood cells that play a role in the identification process. So both on the surveillance front and the fighting front, the bone broth is really, really a key element. And and, and it's delicious. I was sipping on some yesterday and today. We made a great batch um, from our Thanksgiving turkey. So that's been a a treat for me. Usually I do chicken bone broth or beef bone broth, but the turkey one... Is a, is a rarity. So it's
2: and it's good treat. to keep that in the freezer. When you make it, make extra because you just never know when you're going to get sick. It's just nice to have on hand. For sure. And I like to freeze it in, uh, I like to bring it to room temperature first. Uh, not a
1: big fan of plastics, but we like to freeze it in ice cube trays. You can use silicone ice cube trays. And then once it's frozen, you can pop it into a freezer Ziploc bag so that you can heat up two to three ice cubes at a time. You don't have to thaw an entire quart or pint, you know, and then feel like some of it might go to waste. So that's definitely a flexible way to to dose uh, with with the bone broth. Very supportive.
2: I you know, I get so sad when any of my bone broth goes bad. I just yeah. I feel like something is lost.
1: You can always find something to do. No bone <laughs> broth left behind. That's um, right.
2: I wanted to point out, too, that we have an episode, a whole podcast episode on probiotics if you are interested more in the yes. whole topic that Allie touched on. Um, And one thing before we move... Which
1: episode is that? Do you know?
2: It's number three. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And then Allie also mentioned sleep as really important for prevention. But there are plenty of people out there who just can't sleep well. They can't fall asleep. They have ruminating thoughts. They're anxious or they toss and turn. Um, Allie, let's just talk a little bit about some things people can do Or take supplement wise, maybe some nerving herbs to point out that could help with sleep regulation.
1: Yes. So sleep is essential. Like we said, more than eight hours, which I know not many of us have the luxury to have. But if you can commit to more than eight hours, at least four days a week, that should really help to support your immune system. And um, that's going to play a big role with also your metabolism. So biggest bang for your buck, you actually burn the most calories when you're in the deepest REM cycle. So if we're having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep, I always say two nights in a row of interrupted sleep, meaning waking multiple times in the middle of the night or having more than an hour of time before you can fall asleep, I would recommend using a sleep aid. So melatonin on its own is, a, is an option. I really like a product called Benosome, which is a product through Metagenics. It's on our online store. It's spelled B-E-N-O-S-O-M-E, I believe. Um, and that has melatonin at three milligrams in conjunction with nervine herbs. So nervine herbs are herbs herbs that help us to calm our nerves um, mildly sedative and help to down regulate the expression of our cortisol and our HPA axis. So they help to reduce the adrenaline surge, you know, especially for someone that works a later shift or something like that. I know that I used to work a a night shift and those were the hardest days because, you know, you'd be up cleaning the clothes. uh, The restaurant wouldn't close until 1 or 2 a.m. And to try to fall asleep within 30 minutes of that was ridiculous. I would sometimes be up till 4. So doing something like that, taking that um, right when you get home would be helpful. You can also sip nervines in a tea or make a tincture out of them. So nervine herbs are things like skullcap, valerian, chamomile, lemon balm, Uh, Milky oat pod, linden flower, all of these things can be steeped in warm water, um, just, just below boiling, about two to four tablespoons and about a 16 ounce amount of water. Um, and you can let them steep for 15 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, or even up to an hour. And you can also do a cold infusion with these herbs. So these are great options. And, and warm actually helps to kind of get us, like we think of like a warm bottle for a baby. Warm does put us into more of a mellow mode and can help to create relaxation And then beyond the intervention of supplements and herbs, I recommend practicing sleep hygiene, um, which is really important to just set the brain into routine. So thinking like I just made the reference to the bottle, like a child's bedtime routine, you know, so after you brush your teeth, maybe using a foam roller to roll out those knots in your neck, um, shutting off the TV before that so you have about... 15 minutes of uh, no blue light, um, you know, and having actually darkness in the room, maybe doing some meditation or prayer or mindfulness, if anything, maybe some journaling or reading of a true book with not on, I wouldn't recommend, um, like you know, doing it on a Kindle or a tablet, but but reading a book, uh, maybe with a light uh, nightstand light. And um, that's going to really help the body get into that circadian rhythm of, of sleep cycle.
2: Okay, perfect. So, For all those looking for prevention, we talked about bone broth, probiotics, a good multivitamin, and getting your sleep amongst a couple other things. But let's talk about if the inevitable happens and sometimes your immune system is just a little worn down and you do get sick this year. Let's start with the cough, the common cough. What are some interventions or some things that we can do? And
1: so I would put in the category of cough, cough, mucus, and also within that category. So cough, mucus, and then also uh, sore throat maybe all in one. So the first thing that I love is, is a recipe. It's called a Zippy Toddy. It's on the blog on AllieMillerRD.com. And the Zippy Toddy is uh, comprised of ingredients such as lemon, ginger, coconut oil, and hot water. And then optional to add a shot of bourbon um, or a shot of whiskey. Um, And so this beverage helps as an expectorant. It breaks up and thins down the mucus. And it aids in nausea. Maybe not with the bourbon if you're nauseous. um, But the ginger definitely and the coconut oil and the lemon. It can help with depth of sleep. That would be probably with that little bit of bourbon. And then um, boost the immune system with the high amounts of vitamin C. And vitamin C is delivered um, nice way with that, that coconut oil. And coconut oil also has antimicrobial and antifungal and antiviral properties. So the beverage itself is very tonifying, warming, and, and soothing. Um, we actually give our dog raw and filtered honey and coconut oil when he has a cough and, um, just on a spoon That's something you could also do as a quick shot to this. If you didn't have time to heat these all up, just coconut oil and, um, honey. And it tastes delicious.
2: I was going to say honey is the one thing you left out of the original recipe. Oh, did I? You don't need it, but it'll make it taste a lot better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, definitely raw and filtered honey. And now that's one that when you cook it, you are going to denature a little bit of those, uh, pollen compounds but you're not really going for the seasonal allergy boost when your throat hurts and when you're going for a cough. So that's okay. But doing the honey otherwise with coconut on a spoon, you would get those benefits of the raw and filtered honey.
2: I think the Zippy Toddy is the one food is medicine that everyone's on board with for some some reason. (laughs) For sure.
1: (laughs) Um, Another one that I really like is uh, working with essential oils. And then I'll I'll talk about a couple product options too. So essential oils, um, working with lavender, eucalyptus, thyme, all of these help to break up, um, again, the congestion in the chest and then considering using these in a rub. So you could either just use coconut oil and add the essential oils and then rub that on the chest. Tea tree oil also has nice antibacterial properties. And then um, there's a chest rub that we carry from Alvea. Um, it includes neem eucalyptus and tea trees. So it has the natural antiviral, antimicrobial properties and the expectorant properties and very soothing and smells amazing. Um, and then the other thing that I'd recommend is gargling the old school gargling with uh, salt water, gargling with salt water and honey, gargling with salt water and apple cider vinegar. And if you're doing the apple cider vinegar, you'd want to use the Braggs, which has the mother, um, which is that probiotic culture, also high vitamin
2: C in there. And then if you are gargling with the salt, or I'm sorry, the apple cider vinegar and water, then you can swallow it, and that's just good for kind of a liver flush. And-
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And then lastly, if you have a, a pretty severe cough or a cough that you really want to treat, um, I really like a product from Designs for Health, and it's called Ginger Tussin. It's a natural cough syrup remedy, um, really clean ingredients, and works really well for children and adults alike. So that's one of those great natural products to keep in your uh, natural medicine cabinet at home for sure.
2: Okay, so we're kind of talking about looping mucus in here. What if someone has a really stuffy nose? What are some of the things that you recommend?
1: Sure. So for a stuffy nose, really like the neti pot. Um, you can do the neti pot with just water and sea salt, or you could do, use a sea salt nasal spray if you want to just be quicker with the process. Uh, and then essential oils in general as well. So you could use the essential oils that I previously mentioned. You could also add in there peppermint. Rosemary, lemon, and then I think I mentioned eucalyptus previously, but I also like to during cold and flu season and and if you're doing a stuffy nose, you could put a towel in uh, a warm water uh, and in the water bath you would put the essential oils and then place that over your face and breathe that in a very hot towel. Also, I like to keep the essential oils. I just keep two in my shower. I keep lavender and eucalyptus, especially during cold and flu season. And I just dab them on the walls of my shower so that every time I shower, I get that passive breathing in of the oils. And it's important to note that even if you sing or talk um, or really inhale, it's going to bring those essential oils into your bronchioles. And so that actually is creating this vasodilation bringing these natural antibacterial compounds to, to actually support the immune system, not just smell good, not just help to feel good in the area, but it actually helps to eradicate or kill off and, and remove what's driving the stuffy nose in the first place.
2: And Allie, is there a toxicity level with any of these oils? Because I know they're really potent.
1: Definitely. And it, it really is brand dependent. Okay. So, you know, I recommend uh, most oils going about five to eight drops um, and you you definitely do not want to use those direct on the skin. If it's a good quality extraction, they are not suitable to use direct on the skin because they can be very abrasive. Um, some less potent oils, you can go up to 11 to 15 drops, but it, it really depends on the extraction process for sure. Okay, it's good to note. Mm-hmm. And, and definitely be mindful with children, you know, to not just use direct on skin, absolutely. And using more of like the diffuser methods, a little bit less direct contact, even like that towel element might be a little bit too intense for a small child with like a, a, a weight of under 30 pounds or so okay but you could use it in the shower or bath with them for sure
2: and then cold and flu that those are probably the biggest two that people come in asking about
1: yes <laughs> so uh the first one that that i'll recommend and mention which is either a fan fa- a fan favorite or a I will never try that. (laughs) That's the reaction I get. We have a a class. We do these food as medicine workshops, and one of them is is called Boosting Your Immune System. And we make the Master Tonic. And this is not the Master Cleanse. This is the Master Tonic. And the Master Tonic has been rumored to have eradicated the plague. Um, So I don't know if that's true, but I know that it is gnarly. (laughs) And um, it is comprised of things like horseradish, raw garlic, raw onion, the spiciest peppers that you can get your hands on, um, and uh, Bragg's raw apple cider vinegar. And that's all pureed. We use a food processor typically. Otherwise, you have to literally use gloves and um, goggles depending on what kind of peppers you use. And it's all pureed. And then um, we ferment that in the Bragg's raw apple cider vinegar. You uh, shake the jar um, daily for 14 days. And then you strain off the matter. I actually like to use that strained off matter in a stir fry. It's really good. Um, It's spicy. It has a kick. It has, oh, ginger's in it as well. Um, And so it has a kick. Um, You know, the horseradish is a little intense. But otherwise, it has a lot of essential ingredients of a a stir fry. You know, onions, garlic, spicy peppers, ginger. Um, And so you can actually use that matter that you strain off. But you do want to go ahead and remove it. Otherwise, it can start to mold in your ferment. Um, and then that liquid is the master tonic. And so after 14 days, all of the, vi- the volatile compounds have been extracted. And you, you want to go for about a shot of this every four hours on the onset of uh, flu. Um or a severe cold. Um and and mark my words, if you get to the fourth shot, likely you will be in recovery mode and and won't get sick. So it's a pretty cool also thing to add to the medicine cabinet at home. Then talking about other foods, so so using any of those ingredients that I mentioned, ginger, onions, garlic, as much as you can in your kitchen is going to be very helpful. So grating or shredding these things into the bone broth would be a synergistic approach to boost the immune system. Adding miso to that bone broth, which is a probiotic, would be another synergistic approach. So you can find ways of cross-overlapping and making even more dense nourishment in your food as medicine approaches, most definitely. And then um, the other things to mention would be specific nutrients. So ascorbic acid or vitamin C, I like to look for a blend that has a partial fat soluble vitamin C. And then um, I like a buffered vitamin C powder uh, from Thorne. It's a really great product and and that can be dosed dependently. And then I also like a product called Immucor. Immucor is a great blend with zinc, vitamin C. It also has mycelium um, compounds, which are different mushroom compounds which, which support the immune system. And then it also has selenium. And so it has a lot of the key players that upregulate the natural defense systems of the body and can also be taken on higher dose during acute or short times when we're, we're getting a, a cold or, or flu or severe cold, really, not, not a short sight of a cold, would that be necessary? But... Uh, my husband likes to take that one all the time <laughs> and his argument is like, uh, hello, when's the last time I got sick? Uh, so it's one you can take for maintenance, but I really recommend it more for, uh, using it to boost the immune system than, than a daily, like we would recommend the multivitamin.
2: I would definitely, definitely tell everyone to go check out the master tonic, the recipe if you didn't get it all, what Allie was talking about is on our blog, alliemillerrd.com slash blog. I always feel so hardcore when I take a shot of Master Tonic. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> I do the little Emma Maniac running in place mode. Yeah. Move. Um, <laughs> we sometimes do those shots at the office together. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's something that's cool. I, I think that it um, definitely, everyone will say, ooh, that clears you out. You know, I mean, that would work, I think, across the board for a stuffy nose. It'll definitely get the juice is flowing, um, in your mucosal system. And, and so I think that, uh, it's a great option. And like I said, um, go for the two for one. And after you strain it, try to use in your cooking. I think it's a great, great way to also boost your immune system on a culinary level for sure.
2: Definitely. So, Allie, thanks so much. These are all so helpful. I know I'm going to go stock my pantry with a couple of these in case the immune system takes a turn. Yes. <laughs> but thanks so much for shedding light on this. It's a bit of an elusive topic, the immune system. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think I think we'll definitely have, because we deal so much in our practice with autoimmune disease, there will be more to come. But hopefully this kind of what's your whistle on how the immune system works, you know, what are the key elements and players What happens when it becomes dysfunctional? And then for cold and flu season and your typical immune suppression, how can we boost it up to keep you on track and um, keep you rocking and rolling?
2: Thank you, everyone, so much for listening today. If you're interested in checking out any of the supplements we mentioned, go to www.alliemillerrd.com slash blog and check out the post called Cold and Flu Prevention and Remedies, and there are links to all the supplements that we talked about. All right, guys, thanks for tuning
1: in. Catch us next time in episode 12.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Carly at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.